Shut up and sit down. This is the Muscle and the Hustle Podcast. Hello guys, welcome along to another Muscle and the Hustle Podcast. Today we've got a special guest joining me and Tony, and it's Connor Myler. Connor is a GA footballer, plays for Tyrone and also Omas Sanandas. Hello Connor, how's it going? Pretty good, I'll do my end. What about you guys? Uh, I'm trying to trying to get over this uh, self isolation, and Tony's sitting with the worst hat on I've ever seen. Just for anybody who can't, you know, nobody can see this now, but it, it's literally the I think it's fucking yellow. I'm not even sure. Tony, how's it going? Is anyone? Oh, it's going well. What was that about three words before you started slagging me there? Yeah. I, I think I'm I'm going for a new record. I've been told to up my game. So. Is this, is this the theme of the podcast, boys? We have to slag each other or? Just constant where Mickey just gives me shit and tries to act the big man here in front of a small audience of three people. <laughs> I've, I've got an audience. I've got an audience this week. It's normally just me and you. <laughs> well, well, what have we went from the porn podcast? Probably about four listeners to eight. Uh, we were up to eight now and then we've lost. We've, no, actually, well, I, we've probably lost some by then because they didn't like your uh, edging techniques. Coming from the man, coming from the man with no action and just wants to talk. <laughs> uh, right, let's dive into the proper chat about it all. So, as much as Mickey gave you a run, uh, rundown of exactly who Connor Myler is, if you want to even just chat a wee bit about yourself, work, do you want to the basics of just sort of how you got into the sport? Do stuff like that. Just, just give people a general idea of who you are, where you came from, to where you are now. Yep. Um. I'll, I'll keep it sharp. So I've been playing football since a young age with my club, Omas and Enders. Um, first time ever featuring with the county squad was under twenty one level. Um, at twenty, then playing under twenty ones, won the, the All Ireland with Throne and got drafted into the Throne senior team that same year at, at twenty. And played the All Ireland semi final that year against Kerry. So was straight into the thick of it and this is my sixth season now. Um in that time. Won two Ulster Championships, National League, Team Mechanic Cups, um, played an all Ireland final. Twenty eighteen, um, with my club. Won two championships for my club and I was lucky enough to captain my college to, to win the Sigerson in, in twenty seventeen. So that's my sort of football background. <laughs> long that's wild. Uh, you left out the your biggest your biggest uh thing was getting a drink named after you in the Hatfield, Connor. <laughs> we, uh, uh, we were chatting about this, Mickey. I um, that was was it just uh, your your name, or did you get something more creative? Yeah. It was a Mailer bomb. <laughs> half aftershock, half red aftershock. Didn't get the sample too many of them. We. After one of the figures, and we were back to school as well, so it was short lived. But it's not often you get a drink named after you, definitely. It's a college highlight. That's it, definitely. It's gone down in folklore. Still, there's people. There's people still annoyed about that now. 
couple of UUJ, <laughs> couple of UUJ boys now were saying if when they win all their, when they won well they they thought they were gonna win Sigerson's one year when they get it they want drinks named after them but there's not too many people gets the holy grail. Connor, no, just to jump down. straight in, um, it's a question we were talking about loosely before. GA is an amateur sport, and it's well documented that some parties reckon it should become pro. Um, it's an amateur sport with a pro approach. You know, there's the work, the work life balance is hard enough for many people, but then once you bring in the football part, it's a lot of commitment. Uh, how do you how do you manage to stay up? You know, stay to st- keep it all together, keep the work life football balance. All, all flowing. Yeah, um, I suppose even now, twenty twenty things are getting more and more professional because, you know, Gaelic has come to a stage where it's such small margins that, you know, you're constantly looking at other sports to see what can you take from from rugby and soccer and AFL, probably your closest sports. And um, you know, is there a small age that you can take and. Financially, that can be difficult because you're, you know, you're still having to work, um, and you're not a, you're not a pro athlete, and yet you're trying to get all the benefits that pro athletes get. And I think that's probably the big difference with professional as well as, you know, they have time to recover, um, and they have more hours in the day to to work on their craft. Whereas, you know, in GA we have to work to try and, yeah, uh, fund everything we do, um, and it is difficult if you're serious about, you know, really kicking on. I know for me, I, you know, I could never hold down a part-time job because it was always weekend work and, you know, I always prioritised my football that on a Saturday or Sunday, whatever the game was, I wanted to be as fresh as possible. So I could, uh, you know, struggle to hold down any sort of part-time work and it's only now, even, you know, my first year fully teaching that you're starting of any sort of an income, like you're, as most students, you're, you're in your overdraft most of the time and that probably limited your you're partying a wee bit because, um, you know you're trying to subsidise for for all your uh, football needs. So yeah. it is a challenge. Um, and again, it probably comes down to how much you really want to progress, as well as you know, are you willing to make you know, the sacrifices to get to where you want to get. Um, and that comes down to just prioritising things and planning your week. So. If you say yes to one thing, you're going to have to say no to another. And, you know, yeah. it's ranking them to say, well, what's the most important thing to me here? Um, and, you know, if, if football is your most prior, it's your biggest priority, then you're going to have to turn down a lot of other things to try and to get to that level. And I think even Belfast in particular, yeah. you know, I did a year down in UCD, did my master's there. And even down there, it's a different lifestyle. <clears throat> it's um, the Holy Land, Belfast, that. That idea, it's very, very difficult with people in such close proximity and the drill drinking culture um, that's associated. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, some of my highlights are nights out in Belfast. Um, yeah. But for me, most of them came after having won something with football, usually. Um, down in UCD, I found that there was a different culture in Dublin anyway, where, you know, the, there wasn't as much partying. Um, and... You know that the sports side of things was very much high priority. So you can probably see then why there's a, a drop off and so many good players who end up in the Holy Lands. Yeah, um, time. say that they want to make it and don't actually. Yeah, I would. 
see something I really touched on that when you said was the fact like you know about the part time job because that's one thing like I have a couple of mates who run cafes and stuff and when people apply like I know that they're not overly keen on big football because they know that footballers won't work on certain days and I just know that and I know that's obviously not the way it's supposed to be but that is something they sort of preference and I think whenever you talk about that see the way you, that you know your values and that you know that football matters so much to you so that you're following through. I think that shows like maturity from a young age, which is the thing that probably drove you on massively. Whereas I think a lot of people, as you said, obviously drop off in the Holy Land, but that initial where they're like, they're probably the parents are sort of maybe not believing them to tell them, you know, you need a part-time job, you need to work. And I think just as you said, you had like the long term that football is what matters most. And I, I honestly, that really is what I think would be a big take home to a lot of people where, I have a couple of clients on who would be on like under 21 pounds and stuff and you would get them like where they're working like maybe 20, 30 hour weeks part time during the weekends and you, as you said, there's no downtime and like how are you supposed to recover mentally, never mind physically, you know? Spot on. And I think that even recovery thing, as you say, it's having something outside of your sport that you can go to as a chill out time because if, you're, if your life is just caught up in you know, it's all go, it's all go, and there's no switch off, and it's actually detrimental. So, for some people, you know, I watched a good, you know, video yesterday. It just so happened it was an AFL player, and he talked about you know having to bring his game to the next level. But he surfs, you know, that's his downtime. For other people, it could be as simple as you know farming, or it could be I don't know swimming or something somewhere where they can switch off themselves from work from you know their sport and um, that they have something else and that's difficult if you are a student where you're having to work and you know that's not really a switch off time your football's not your switch off time you've got college work which definitely isn't your switch off time where do you fit in that time like yeah that's huge because whenever you think of it in a way like if you don't get the switch off like your productivity level goes and you see so many players that are playing for like multiple teams like they're playing for the county they're playing for their club and you're literally not yet not recovering I, like, it's just like I always relate things to the gym because that's where I'm off but if you don't get a rest day you can't progress forever you're just sort of stalled would you see one thing I was curious of would you say the pressure for not getting paid especially from a young age was it like quite substantial like if you imagine you know, compared to like most sports or especially like if you're if you're playing at that level in another sport at that age you're more than likely going to get some sort of salary so it sort of equates that you get you don't work the part time job, you take on a wee bit of extra pressure, but behind it, you've got more time so it eases off. Whereas I would say since you're getting you're not getting the money and you're also having to work as well, you're getting like more and more pressure. So did you find that hard to cope with whenever you were younger or Yeah, it's a good question. Um when I was young for me I was big into my cross country and my my running, my athletics and that. Um and I suppose the money's not massive enough, but at the same time, you would have went to local races and, you know, you might pick up 20 quid or 50 quid for winning a race or something. Um, and again, that's what probably gave me a mental age in terms of being individually motivated. Like, I didn't need, you know, teammates or other people to get me going. Like, I was very individually driven. So that, in turn, helped with my football. But whenever I got to 18 and had to make a decision of, you know, which route do I want to follow? And I wasn't a world-class runner, but I was still running at the All-Irelands and stuff and, and picking up medals at Ulster and stuff. But it was a case of, right, you know, well, what is my, you know, there's a difference in motivation and inspiration. Like, motivation wilts and dies off. You know, people get motivated for a while, but your inspiration is very different. Like, for me, my inspiration, it's, it's internal. And I was thinking, like, 
watching all Ireland finals in 05, 03, 05, 08, throwing and being there. And, you know, I can still remember in my head where I was sitting and looking out in the pitch and running on. And for me, it was a case of like, that's what I want to do. You know, I didn't grow up wanting to be a, a world-class runner. Like, I wanted to play for Tyrone. So, you know, when you're looking at those decisions, that's the route you follow. And, you know, for me, rugby or soccer was never in my, my eye line. Now, though, it's different where at that time, you know, you weren't really financially worried financially either. Yeah. Now you're like, when you see the thing with the rugby and AFL more now, and you compare, you know, your the amount of time you're spending and you're comparing even stats and, and things, you're like, cheapers, you know, on a physical capability, or you're up there at that level, um, yeah. and then you see what they're, they're getting paid. It It is frustrating at times, but you know, you do it because you love the sport that you chose to play. Um, I don't think if I moved across to play rugby or, or try to move across to play soccer, I would be as, even if I was physically capable, I wouldn't be as good because it's not what I grew up loving. Yeah. Definitely. Would you, uh, would you have been tempted by the AFL? <laughs> it, uh, it's not something I've ever got a, a call for, so it's not a decision I've ever had to, to think like, but the idea, the chance to play professional for a while, obviously, yeah. would be tempting. Um, and probably not something that would be long term anyway. Um, but yeah, it doesn't it seem to be a long term thing. Like except for Zach too, maybe the rest of them kind of three or four seasons, and then uh, it always you know, they always seem to have that kind of bite and passion to come home and win an All Ireland. Like it's it's mad to think that they're. They're on a professional contract playing a professional sports, getting treated really well in Australia, but there's still that there's still that pull to come home and play for your club and come home and like play for your, your county. Like Marty Clark. Marty Clark dipped dipped out of uh Aussie rules at a pretty high level because he wanted that all Ireland, which was remarkable for someone that's it's a massive sacrifice. Uh, Connor McKenna's another perfect. Uh, Connor McKenna as well, uh, I played one year at under twenty ones with him and athletically he was he was a freak. Like he, his speed and his power, um, you know, he knew that he was talented and everything that you read about him now, like he's just mad keen to get home because again, it's you know, when he was a cub growing up his passion was he wanted to, to play for throne. So um the AFL's obviously been able to keep him going for a while, but um, I'd like to think that He'll be home at some stage, and you know what a boost he would be to trying to push on your All Ireland sort of chances. I uh, well, you probably know. You you know. You just don't want to say. <laughs> you probably know someone I, we don't. <laughs> I wish. I wish. <laughs> no, that's a. Uh, when you were talking about downtime and and getting away, it just it reminded me of something. Uh, I was. It was. I was actually. I think it was one of the McMahons. We were chatting on Oma Main Street. This was years ago. And the amount of people that came up, I think it was Justin was speaking to, the amount of people that came up, and you know Justin yourself, he's mild-mannered, McMahon's the nicest people in the world, and people were coming up to them and giving them their opinion. You should have been doing this, you should have been doing that, you should have been doing this, and I was just like, Jesus, like, leave the man alone, he's out for a sandwich or something, like, people were like, oh, what happened to you on Sunday, da-da-da, fucking, what are they, what's he like making these decisions, and just, it just dawned on me that, GA is such a passionate thing from county level, from club level to county level. This guy's out in the town 
I think he was, I think he literally was going out to get some food. And four or five people in 10 minutes came up to him on the main street in Oma and was just trying to give their opinion. He was, you know, as they do, laugh and take it on and wish them well. And it's just thinking to myself, even if you wanted the distraction to get away from it for a while, it's always, especially in a small town like Oma or in Throne, where it's football's just life, it's just always brought back to. It's always brought back to the Sundays, to the matches, to the All Irelands. And uh, do you, do you find that much? Do you get people coming up to you and you know, trying to I don't know, give their opinion about stuff where you just want to kind of get away from it a wee bit? Aye, and and there's a couple of sides to that. I think with with the success, you're you're in the public eye a bit more, and people are going to recognise you more as well. And you know, with Throne, we've been relatively successful, not as successful as we'd like to be, but relatively so you're in that you know public eye a wee bit more and the likes of Justy there who if he was any more laid back he'd be horizontal uh, he uh, he's won his all Ireland and his all star um, and people are gonna want to feel like they can do that. And again just he's, he's an amateur, you know, same as all of us yeah. we're playing county football, you're amateurs and there's no training ever to say how do you deal with these situations? You it's all on your your own accord. Um you know, the big thing that you said there as well is that opinion of, you know, the word should. And I was reading a thing about it lately, um, about using words like should have done this or, you know, uh, you, you know, you, you might do this and da-da-da. Like that's, it's poor words to use. Like, you know, by saying should, you're basically telling someone, this is what I would do. But really, you know, who are you to say if you haven't actually been there or done it before? Um, and again, you know, it's nearly each their own. You know, people make decisions, yes, and um, not make sometimes the right, sometimes the wrong. But at the same time, who's to say it's the right decision or who's to say it's the wrong decision? It's your decision. Um, and that's why I wouldn't be a big fan of the word should. When people tell you, you should have done this, you should have done that. And hindsight's so easy. And people yeah. are great at coming up to a club or on a gym telling you, oh, the weekend you should have done this. You know, that's grand. You, You've seen it on TV or whatever, and you've had time to analyze it. Especially, I find with GA more now as you move up, what you find club football to county football is your time on the ball and your decision making. Like it's it is split second, and although people think maybe watching on, he has loads of time on the ball there. What's he doing? It is split second between you kicking it and the oh. person's run. Everything has to be so in sync and in tune that you have more time in the ball and club football and, and that's the difference with that yeah. kind of like yeah it's uh that's that's kind of when, when back to my my short love playing comeback for Oma and you hit the nail on the head it just that was the reason I stopped kind of playing other than being roasted by Ronnie O'Neill too many times in training I uh wait uh? were you were you any good at playing together or what was the crack my no I wasn't I that good I, I wasn't that good but it was mouthy enough to kind of get people to believe it was alright <laughs> and then they'd give me a chance but uh, I uh I, I came on once for the seniors in a friendly this is true God's honest truth against uh against Ballandere and I was straight through in goal and I'd, I hesitated for a split second and I was swamped by two or three players and I, I couldn't get it out of my head and I remember I was chatting to Joey McMahon after the game and Joey McMahon says that's a difference you just that split second hesitation a good player will always be on top of you and that's when I knew I was just like, nah, this isn't for me anymore. I'm just uh, these early mornings are just not uh, 
they're not worth getting up to fucking travel to Balneary to be fucking hammered by some 17 year old who's fucking <laughs> going to be the next big thing I was just wondering there sorry I didn't mean to bring you up track I was just curious see you and a wee oh fuck no never mind we'll just nah, I don't think it was a uh, full forward you know bear and square just get, put the long balls out there, I'll do the damage for you <laughs> Retired more times than I fucking played right now. Connor, <laughs> where would your where would your it was just uh think of, we're talking harping back to the St. Mary Sagerson one. Where would it rank in your uh up is it up there with the county title Woma? Oh definitely it is. Um I think Samaris in particular, you know, Samaris you know, maybe gets a, a touch for being quite clicky and close, but that's just the way it is. It's, it's nearly like a school. You know, most of the people walking past you in the corner and people stop to say hello. You're in class or you're in college every day with most of these boys and you grow a friendship and that's nearly like a club friendship with boys because you see them so often. Um, and I think that, you know, what was special for me was getting a chance to cap in the team and the success story of it too where we, we scrape by each round by a point and Nobody gave us a chance each game. And um, the first game against NUIG, you know, again, nobody gives a chance. They had a lot of Galway stars. And we, we took them out. And then UCC, uh, or sorry, DCU down in DCU, you know, managed to take them out. And they had a real all-star team. Um, after extra time, we managed to slip by. Like, and then down to the Sigerson weekend, we beat UCC full court and carry players took them out and then the final which had a UCD team with three all-stars like three Dublin boys and uh, went two goals down in the first few minutes to come back and win it it's it's fairy tale kind of stuff so yeah, that was that was really special for me and on a personal level obviously captain good man of the match that day and um, there was that added significance to it knowing that you sort of how close you were with these these group of players and, and the way that we enjoyed it through the journey it was all over in maybe three weeks uh, it was it was over that quick like to the Sigerson weekend just the Saturday Sunday yeah like three three and a half weeks of old thing and uh, we were out we were out together every night after each game like you know yeah. uh, we were a really close bunch and I think that you really for me still keep in touch with these boys and uh, it, it was a friendship that's that you'll have now in memories for, for life. See, just, see, just as you're talking about like the highs, like, like the feeling that would obviously be unreal, but you know what, like everybody always says, like you learn more from the lows. Like that's probably what I, I know a lot of people will be more interested in, especially with COVID and everything going on, that they'll be more interested in like how do you bounce back from like a loss or a mindset. You no, know, like because no matter who you are, you've some self-doubt or if you make a bad decision, just like people coming up and saying, should have done this, should have, could have, would have done it. But the thing is, you need to know deep down, obviously, that you can do it. But would you say that there's anything in particular, like where there's been like a real low? I don't want to obviously go into fucking anything too mad, but you know. Yeah. Um, you're spot on. And I think for me, like not not making county squads at underage, um, not making full minors, you know, um, not even playing seniors in my first year and come on as a sub in the reserve final and stuff like that. You know, I was kind of like a young lad with a chip on my shoulder nearly and playing to try and prove a point. And that definitely pushed me on to an extent. And then next thing, 
you're in a bubble for a while because 2014 you win the county championship with Oma, first time in maybe 25 years or so, and and then 2015 you know, you're winning. All Ireland are thrown under 21s, you're playing for the seniors and you're living in a wee bubble, as I say. Um, the real lows of 2016, where I was out injured most of the year, and that was a real low point um, for me. But because I had so many setbacks from a younger age, even not getting into college first time round, those setbacks helped build resilience and, and helped sort of build that mental toughness where people had said you couldn't do something and, and you always want to prove them wrong. So that led to such an such a poor year in 2016 to 2017 where you started by winning the Sigerson, you win the Ulster Championship with Throne. You also then go on to, to win another championship with Oma to such highs then in, in twenty seventeen that when twenty eighteen came around, you know, played played relatively well all championship for Throne. Um Super Eights game against Donegal. I'd be marking Ryan McHugh, Martin Well and last in injury time of the game, went for a ball that probably had no real right going for, 72nd minute, and uh, I broke the top of my tibia, you know, I went for a ball, me and another fella, played it. So, you know, tried to, maybe in the year, tried to lay it down, hobble off, and, and uh, said that it was grand. After getting a scan, I'd seen that I broke the top of my tibia, and first conversation I had with the doctor was, that's your season over, like 12 weeks, and you're going to need to go into calf and stuff. So that was four weeks away from the All-Ireland final. And, you know, so I was obviously devastated, but just took the approach of whatever it takes. And, you know, I'll I'll, I'll basically push through whatever I can here to, to give myself a chance of playing and didn't go into calf. Just, you know, mm-hmm. promised to wear keep the crutches and stuff. And, uh, you know, eventually... Um, just put everything else in hold and went full at this and you know, got myself in a position where I started the all Ireland final twenty eighteen, um, four weeks on. Uh, you know, Mark and Brian Fenton like midfield for that day. Um and the big thing I learned from that too was even what I said earlier, like your game sharpness and your game awareness where I had two possessions in the first half and kicked them both away because that split second where you're in tune with the man in front, it, it I wasn't sharp enough there, but yeah. to get myself physically back um, was huge. And I think just through my own personal experiences of setbacks, dealing with this now, and the more I study, the more I read. You know, I did my master's in education last year. I'm doing a master's in leadership now, reading a lot, doing a lot of upskilling. And dad, he works as a performance coach. So he's just his mindset of things. Any challenge now, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy to embrace it. Um, and that's how I'm dealing with this here now, just sort of seeing it as a challenge. Everybody's losing out on something and everybody's going through their own individual problems. But at the same time, you can make yourself happy or you can make yourself sad. The effort required is the same. Um, you know, people are going to wake up in the morning. You can eat. It's your decision. Do you want to have a good, positive day and, and make something of it? Or do you want to stop about and moan? It's not really going to get you anywhere. So, when you're reflecting your COVID experience, was it worthwhile? <clears throat> what did you learn that was new? What positives can you take instead of your first message being, ah, I was a load of shit and sure couldn't see my friends, I couldn't go on holidays. That's everybody's the same, like, but you know, what can you take from it? Was there anything positive? Well, I actually learned how to bake or actually read three or four books or, you know, I did a course um, 
allowed her to do handstands. I don't know. I had a new rep match. You know, think start thinking yeah. positive. Like, I can you hear me? All right, one second. Yeah, yeah. Just want to make sure that was still on there. I got like a bit of like a squeal back. Uh, no, see, I completely get where you're coming from with the mindset thing because I think that's probably the most one of the most overlooked parts, especially in Gaelic. Whenever people come to me as clients, I'm sort of like, right, well, what have you done to work on? And I don't just relate with like mindset. I'm like, right, what about confidence? Like on the pitch, like if you line up against anybody, do you think you have a solid chance? And then they're like, depends who it is. And I'm like, right, well, there's already doubt. Jokes coming out there, and I think that's probably something where. Although you you know it's a major you you know it's a major factor. I think a lot of footballers probably at a young age, especially you like, don't really get that, and I don't think it's drilled in enough. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, and I think it, it it's a personal thing too. Like how much do you really want to achieve? Because there's days that you know I remember even 2014. You know, I was I was the youngest fellow that year, like on my team, but and that was my first sort of full year. So I played played bits the year before, and uh, I remember sort of uh, like coming up to the manager and saying, "You know, I want to mark, I want to mark that guy." Like he's like, "No, catch yourself on." Like you know, even we played Cross McLean in an Ulster Club semi final, uh, sorry quarter final, and Cross, you know, obviously a huge reputation. We were had no chance after winning our our first county title in however many years, twenty five years, and I remember just saying, "I want to mark." You know, Harn Gardner's on, you know, and, and the manager sort of saying, catch yourself on, like, or against yeah, Lock Needle in the final, where I'm like, I want to mark Chrissy McKay, you know, and again, you could have got a roasting, um, and I, I probably learned more from getting roasted at times um, and putting myself out there, but I learned so much more from it, and I think it's that fear of failure which holds people back, um, where they're scared to even take a chance or to, to make that opportunity. Um, and it's, it's as simple as pairing yourself up with good players and training. You know, when you're running down as a, say, for example, if you're running down as a corner forward or which corner back do you go to or, you know, do you go to the fella who you know you can get the better of or the fella who's going to give you a real tough time? Because at the end of the day, as you said, Tony, you're going to learn more from, you know, your defeats or your mistakes. And I think that people need to realise that, that mistakes are good. Like, I even make mistakes in work and school and all, you know, and again, I tell the children that every day, like that, make a mistake. Don't don't change your answer because you think I'm gonna praise you for getting it right. I'm. I want to see where you got it wrong. I want to see if you can learn from it and tell me, Mister Mayor, I got it wrong there. I messed up, but you know what? I know how to do it again for the next time. Instead of the child who scribbles out their answer and says, "Oh, I actually got ten out of 10. I haven't learned anything. Um. So I'd rather see people learn and make mistakes and learning than than feeling like. You have to get it right all the time. Yeah, I think um, think that's very wise words, Connor. Um, That was the reason I used to team up with uh, Ronan O'Neill in training for Oma, because I love to get roasted, and I want an an excuse to retire again. (laughs) But just in closing, if, uh, say, I don't know how, probably not too many young up-and-coming footballers going to be listening to this podcast, but someone that wants to up their up their performance, up their game, if it's life, business, whatever. Uh, give us like, two take-home points that you, you believe is maybe the key for people to progress. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking one. Uh, if you 
if you're saying yes to somebody, you have to say no to somebody else, really. Um, if you you have to prioritize things, and I don't really like the word sacrifice because it's sort of saying that you're doing something you don't want to do, um, but it's prioritizing. So if you want to make it as football, you're going to have to prioritize it over other things, and it's going to come to cases where it's going to clash with a night out or a birthday or some sort of event, and you have a choice. We always have choices. Um, what choice are you going to take? Now, it might not affect you in the short term, but in the long run, if you're used to making choices where you're taking the easy option, then it's not going to stand you well. So that's one, and that sort of gauges in with even just surrounding yourself with people on a similar mindset and a similar journey as yourself. If you're surrounding yourself with people who are bringing negativity or trying to pull you in the wrong direction, you have to get rid of them. And Robin Van Persie talked about it. A podcast there yesterday with the High Performance podcast with Amy Hughes. He talked about having to get rid of friends and good friends, his who he felt were holding him back from, from getting to where he wants to get to. And that's difficult, but you have to do it. And the other thing would probably be to enjoy, you know, find enjoyment in simplicity and basics. And I'm sure Tony, as a coach, too, would, would tell you like doing basic things well is going to bring you on more than doing anything fancy. So if you are out practicing, you're you're looking at percentages and saying, you know, am I am I gonna practice taking shots from the sideline here and get myself frustrated uh, by missing or do I practice things that, that are easy, that I'm good at and, and really nailing the basics and you know, finding enjoyment doing that. You know, if you're getting to a stage where, you know, this isn't enjoyable or I'm I'm pushing myself so hard that I, you know I've lost the love of it. Then you have to pull back to move forward again. So find what you enjoy, do the basics well, stick to it. Boom! <laughs> Cheers for coming on, Connor. Um, as always, guys, if you want to support the show, drop us a wee review on iTunes. It'll help us get up the pecking order and it'll make Tony very, very happy, man. And then he won't complain to me and ring me in the morning, noon, and night looking to see how many listeners we have. But yeah, Connor, cheers for coming on. Um, I think a lot of people are going to get some real good information from this one compared to, compared to our last episode about sex, which Tony harped on for 20 minutes. But yeah, cheers for calling in and I look forward to chatting to you again.